Would we're still in Matthew chapter 27? For those that were not here last Sunday, I'm going to do a little recap real quickly on what we did last Sunday. But what this is, is the chapter 27 in Matthew, we're going to focus on verse 22. But we spoke about Pilate, and we spoke about the voices that confronted Pilate last week, and, they, and the values that conformed him. And today we want to get to the trial. We want to get to the verdict that condemned Pilate and, the, and Jesus both on that one trial. Jesus to the death for our atonement of sin and Pilate for the judgment. Pilate had Jesus before him and he had to make a decision about the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest question ever in the Bible is found in verse 22. Let's read it. Pilate saying to them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? What shall I do with Jesus? No other question has ever been more pertinent than that one. And today we're going to have that decision made. Now at that particular time, Jesus was before Pilate, being judged by Pilate. Okay, that's the context. But there's coming a day when Pilate will stand before Jesus and be judged, just as we will stand before Jesus to be judged. Again, Pilate had Jesus on his hands and in his hands, and now Pilate is in the hands of Jesus today. So what has all that got to do with us? Well, in a very real sense, Pilate represents Every boy, man, woman, child on the face of the earth. When they're confronted with this very same question of what shall I do with Jesus. So just as Jesus was before Pilate in our text, Jesus is before each of you today. Those of us who profess Christ, Jesus is before us every day. Those, those who haven't uh, accepted him yet, Jesus is before you as well. So, but one of these days, as Pilate will stand before Jesus, everybody, period, that's ever been born will stand before Jesus. So I'm going to ask you a question later today, and the question is, what will you do with Jesus? So, but to get started, the verdict. The verdict that condemned Pilate. Notice what the verdict is. Pilate said this. He said, let him, that's Jesus, be crucified. Okay, let him be crucified. Why do you think Pilate did that? Why did he do that and how did he do it? Well, I want to go through just a couple of things. And if you track with me on these three things, it is like discipleship 101 to an unbeliever because these last three traits I'm going to do over of Pilate before we get to the witnesses will be the same treatment you will get as you try to share the gospel with others. You can see this as I go through it, but yeah, I've had people tell me that, yeah, just as we go through it. So the very first one is that Pilate tried to ignore Jesus. Okay, how many people do you know that has tried to ignore 
Jesus, right? It's just plain as day. He tried to simply ignore him, just ignore him, but somehow put him off, put him away. Where did I get that from? John chapter 18, verse 31, just one verse. Then Pilate said to them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law, talking to the Pharisees. The Jews therefore said to him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. So what does all that mean? They brought Jesus to Pilate. They said, look, we want this man, and this is going to represent Jesus all through the sermon, and when we get to the trial, that's going to be him sitting there. So I may point here ever so often. So they brought Jesus to Pilate, and they said, look, we want to put this man to death. Pilate said, well, what has he done? Well, they'll say, well, he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be God. Pilate would say, well, I don't care. Why are you giving that to me? I don't, I don't care about this. You go judge him according to your laws. That's really what he's saying. Don't bother me with this kind of rhetoric. I don't want to have nothing to do with him. How many people have you ever encountered that wants to put off Jesus before you if you try to present him to him? How many people just said, I don't want to deal with that. I just don't want to deal with it. So he said, don't bother me. Pilate said, in essence, I'm not interested in making a decision concerning Jesus. So Pilate tried to perhaps ignore Jesus. Many people I know, through my years of just talking about Jesus, I've had people to simply try to ignore what I'm saying. So... Some, of, some people you probably have come in contact have simply tried to ignore Jesus. And they thought that was the answer to this question, but it's not. Jesus has been throughout history an unmistakable fact of life. He's unescapable. There's no way you can get out from under this question by simply ignoring it. So the next thing Pilate did, he tried to shift the decision. If you know this story, and I purposely not went through the whole thing because it's a lot of reading, but I would, if you're not familiar with it, go back and read the long versions of some of these scriptures I'm going to give you. But I want to read two verses now out of Luke 23. It's verses 6 and 7. Pilate had heard that Jesus was a Galilean. And because of the feast that was going on in, in the town at that time, King Herod was in town too. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 23, verses 6 and 7. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man, Jesus, were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's district or jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself was also at Jerusalem at that time. Herod was the king of Galilee, and Pilate said, Well, that's fine. Let's just let somebody else decide. Let's let somebody else decide, right? But I want to tell you something about Jesus. Jesus never meant for somebody else to decide. Just as sin is very personal, Jesus is very personal. I wish, and I know all of you that are parents, 
wish and grandparents wish you could just somehow wave a hand over your children and they become saved. But it's a very personal decision. You can't do it for them. Though Pilate tried to push off his decision on King Herod. If you know the story, Herod just threw it right back at him. said, nope, I'm not deciding. It's back in your court. But there's no way to avoid the decision. So if you read along, that's a short version of what happened. So the third one, and I don't know how many people I haven't encountered like this, they want to simply admire Jesus before you. Give him platitudes. I know Jesus. Oh, yeah, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. Some may even say he was a prophet. You ever heard that from people? It, was, it just used to unearth me forever. When I was a young man in church, and, and I would try to talk about Jesus at, at school at that time, and their people would say, oh, yeah, I know who Jesus is. He, he was a teacher. He was a good man. He, he, he might have been a prophet, yeah. I said, and? And that was it. They tried to tip their hat at Jesus. But the problem is, and with every religion, just as a side note, make sure you remember this, any religion that tips their hat to Jesus is a cult. It is not a religion. You've got to bow the knee to Jesus. He is Savior. He is Savior. Let me read a little bit more in Luke 23 where I got all that from. I'll read you two verses. Said unto him, They have brought this man unto me, as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, and found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accused him. That's a long way of saying I don't find no fault in him, right? No, no nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. So in these two verses... Is, is the synopsis of what I just said. King Herod sent him right back saying, I don't see no problem in me, you deal with him. And, and Pilate saying, I don't find no fault with him. Nothing in what you're saying holds any validity to me whatsoever. I find no fault. But Pilate, who allowed Jesus to be crucified, who by his very own words could have released Jesus or crucified Jesus, said in that verse in Luke, I find no fault in him. How many people have you talked to that will never, never give any fault to Jesus? They, if you've ever had that discussion about those that tip their hat to Jesus, it, it's, it's that they're careful not to say anything bad to them. If you try to get, it, get them to the point, well, the Messiah it means, you know, God with us, the God-man, Jesus, God in flesh, walked among us. Sometimes they get a little nervous. Sometimes. But they will never change their position. So Pilate, confessing to Jesus, and like the verses we went through last Sunday, I can release you or I can have you crucified, said, I find no fault in him. And as a side note, I challenge you, if you're witnessing to someone, for them to tell you a fault of Jesus. Jesus is the only one in history that is faultless, without fault. 
That's how he can make the atoning death for our sins. So Pilate, again, was just trying to say some nice things about Jesus, so that maybe would be enough. But I don't tell you a little secret. It might have been better if Pilate would have tried to trump up some charges on Jesus than to tip his hat to him and then still let him be crucified. But that one stance, a lot of people do. A lot of people, and I'll just use myself as the example, a lot of people I've talked to through the years have tipped their hat to Jesus but never bowed the knee. So, of course, it would have been better if Pilate could have found fault, but he couldn't. But he didn't even try to make it up. He said, I find no fault with him. But yet, he crucified. And I really don't know how many times I've actually heard something similar to that. I find no fault in him. Jesus, oh, I know him. He was a good man. But yet they won't bow the knee to him as Savior. They miss it by a country mile. But think about, we'll, we'll, just, we'll put Pilate in focus real quick. Pilate openly said, I find no fault with him. I don't see anything that you've said that... You've said that he said, and I don't see no problem with it. I don't see what you're all upset about. I find no fault in him. However, he crucified him. He had the power to say yay or nay, and he said crucify him. What do you think that actually means about Pilate? I want you just to quietly think about what that means. What state of mind... Pilate had to be in to be able to do that. He was driven by outside influences, by pride and everything else. But I tell you, on the authority of God's word, he was wrong, and that is the track so many people make today, that very track. The last one, Pilate tried to remain neutral, and that, that'll wrap this up. He tried to simply wash his hands of it. Have you ever noticed anybody would do that? It's not, it's not enough for him to find no fault and, and think that everything's all right. But then because he found no fault, he said, crucify him anyway. He said, well, I'm just going to wash my hands of this. I want to tell you a little secret. There's not enough water that's ever been made that could wash Pilate's sins away. You can't be neutral about Jesus. Satan will tell you that you can be neutral. And he'll do it like this. He'll say, you know, you don't have to make that decision right now. You can wait. You've got your whole life ahead of you. Wait till you get like to retirement when you got nothing better to do. And you can start going to church then and living for the Lord. I mean, who hasn't heard that from someone? Or who hasn't heard that in their own head before they got saved? Let me go back to Matthew 27. I'm going to read some verses. This is going to be 22 to 24. So Pilate tried to be neutral. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Then Pilate saw that he could prevail not, but rather a tumult or a riot was forming. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent 
of the blood of this person, let it be. So we thought, Pilate thought just by washing his hands, he could take away the burden of the decision he made for Jesus. How many people have you ever seen to do the very same things? Just wash their hands. I don't want to make no decision. I don't want to do that today. I want to put it off to some other time. If you look back in, the, in chapter 12 of Matthew, one verse that should really stick out about all this. And Jesus said to himself, if you have a Bible that letters are in red, this will be in red. He said, he that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. See, the great lie of Satan is you can be neutral. You can be nice about Jesus and the church. You can be nice. And you can maybe go, you know, Easter's and Christmas, whatever, just a few times a year, and, and everything's cool. But being neutral about Jesus is a decision you've made, and it's the wrong decision. When Jesus... When Pilate allowed Jesus to be condemned, Pilate was condemned. So when Pilate dropped the gavel in Pilate's court on Jesus, there was also a gavel that dropped in heaven with Pilate. You cannot be neutral concerning the Lord Jesus. Now let me just ampl let me sit on this just a moment. You can't be neutral any day of the week with Jesus as a believer. If you're a believer and you only pick Jesus up and bring him to church when you, on, on Wednesdays and Sundays or whenever else we're here, but the rest of the time you got him tucked away, that's not being Jesus before you every day. Okay? You have to have, you can't be neutral about Jesus. You have to have him before you. So the first trial, we're going to get to the trial now. The Lord Jesus, it was a mockery. But what I want to do now, we're going to put Jesus on trial. This represents Jesus in the trial seat, in the cross-examining seat. And we're going to have Jesus on trial again today. And later on when we get through, I'm going to ask each one of you to make a decision concerning Jesus. So I'm going to have... You, I guess is what you called, you'll be the jury. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get all the congregation here to be the jury of it. So I'm going to bring forth first some Bible witnesses. I'm going to list these witnesses, and they're going to be taken straight, straight out of the Bible, and it's going to be the Word of God. I'm not really going to give you where I'm getting it from just for time, but we can go back through that if you need to. But if you want to listen... As I call out some witnesses here, I urge them to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, okay? The first witness I would like to call is a man that Jesus himself said, no greater man was born of woman than this man. That's John the Baptist. His name is John the Baptist. So John, you baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. John, you knew Jesus from a boyhood. John, would you tell the court what you think of Jesus? John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
Well, thank you, John. Thank you for that testimony. Please be seated. The next one I like to call is a, is a guy that often uh, stuck his foot in his mouth. But we want to get him to, to carefully consider this. I want to call Simon Peter to the courtroom. Now, Simon, I want you to carefully consider what you're about to say and, and tell us how you feel about Jesus. Simon Peter, looking at the face of the Lord, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for that, Simon Peter. I'm going to call next a man with a thoughtful spirit. This was one of the young guys. I want to call the Apostle John. John, you were with Jesus. Would you tell us about him, John says. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, thank you, John, for that. Be seated, John. How about Thomas? Thomas, you were a follower of Jesus. You had some doubts. You had difficulty believing. What, what do you say, Thomas, about this Jesus? Thomas, you saw the nail prints in his hands. Thomas, would you tell the court what you think of Christ? Thomas bows a knee and says, My Lord and my God. Thank you for that, Thomas. We have heard the testimony of men. Let's, let's hear one from a lady. All right, Martha. Martha, can we get you? Martha, you have spent many happy days with Jesus in your home. You observed him in all kind of different situations. Martha, tell me, what do you think of Jesus? Martha says, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much for that. Is there another one we might call? Could we summon an angel? Could we summon an angel? Put an angel under oath. Angel, would you tell us who this man is, holy angel? The angel looking down on the face of Jesus says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So we've only heard from his friends. Can't we hear from some of his enemies? I want to bring forward now some of the folks that allowed him to be crucified. The Pharisees wanted Jesus crucified. Pharisee. Wrap your self-righteous robe around you and come up here before the court and tell them why you wanted him to be crucified. Pharisee says, this man receives sinners. Well, I'm pretty glad he does. That means I'm saved. How about you? This man receives sinners. Pharisee, is that all you got to say? Be gone, Pharisee, be gone. How about Cleopas? He was a high priest. You wanted him to be crucified. Cleopas, tell us why you wanted him to be crucified. Cleopas says, he said, I am the son of God. Hmm. Thank you, Cleopas. Be seated. Let's call the centurion. Centurion, you helped nail the nails in his hands and in his feet. What would you say about Jesus. The centurion said, Truly, this was the Son of God. 
How about Judas? The one that sold him for 30 pieces of silver. The one that portrayed him. Judas. What would you say of Jesus? Judas says, I have betrayed innocent blood. I have betrayed innocent blood. How about Pilate? We've talked about Pilate or not. Pilate, you had him crucified. Tell, it, tell us what he said. Pilate says, I find no fault in him. Okay, no fault. But wait a minute, you might say, we called an angel. How about let's call a demon? Let's call a demon. Demon, I adjure you by the will of God, tell the truth about Jesus. The demon says, we know who thou art, the Holy One of God. Demon, back to the pit. We've heard the testimony of his friends in Bible time. We've heard the testimony of his enemies. We've heard the testimony of angels. And we've heard the testimony of demons. Is there anyone here today that would like to share a testimony and tell what you think about Jesus? What I want you to do is say your name when you come up and tell what you think and give your testimony. I'll start with the ladies. Miss, Miss Karen, would you come? I seem kind of innocent after that trial. That kind of says it all. Um, but I was saved at a young age. Um, I don't have a um, murderous history as some, but um, I feel the same. Any sin kind of sends Jesus back to the cross. So um, all sin is kind of that. Um, I kind of um, decided that I was going to plan my life out. Um, not going to ask Jesus to help me plan it day by day because I knew what I wanted and where I wanted to be at a certain time in my life. Um, but Jesus kind of slowed me down and said, I'm going to put you where I want you to be and where you're going to live your life for me. Um, and I thank him for that um, because if not, I might have went off in a different direction um, where I wanted my life to be. So I just thank him um, for day by day um, guiding me and um, that by putting me where he wanted me to be, um, when he wanted me to be there, that I feel him guiding me um, and that um, I'm back day by day feeling his guidance in my life um, because I knew where I wanted to be and when I wanted my house paid off and how fast I wanted to do it um, and I was working day in and day out um, and not coming to church on Sunday night and, Sunday and Wednesday night um, but I thank him for that and I just, the, the song that Mr. Bizzle sang is my favorite song um, because he is there with us on the mountain and he's also there with us in the valley and we can feel him. And my faith has grown much more, but he's always there with us. And I just feel that um, no matter where we're at, through sickness, um, through sickness in the family, um, any trial, we can feel him if we just let our faith grow and if we just accept that grace through him. Um, and no matter what uncertainties we have, um, we can feel that. But if there's anybody here not saved today, 
I just ask you to accept that that peace in your life um, and, and that mercy that he'll show you through the good times or the bad times. Um, it's just unbelievable what you can get through that guidance. Um, so, thank you. All right. The best thing to do is when you stand here so everyone can hear you real well. Chuck, would you come up and give yours? I'd like to start by saying I was saved, and I know I was saved at 12 years old. Okay, um, I was going to a Baptist church, and we attended regularly. And my brother's here, so he can kind of attest to that. Um, Sunday school, church, RAs, vacation Bible school, even youth Sundays. And one of those Sundays, um, I even got asked to, to do the preaching part. And I do remember the, the thought or the theme of my sermon. It's called, Can You Feel the Tug? Because I Can Feel the Tug. And through the years, I've remembered that for some reason. That was when I was about 16. Um, I got to be 18 and grown because um, I joined the military and uh, went off to do my thing in the world. Pretty big fella, pretty confident normally, type A personality. Um, knew I was saved, loved the Lord, but I had something I wanted to do, and I wanted to do it my way and um, had some pretty significant life changes, changing events occur, but I was still going to do it my way. So fast forward 37 years. That's a long span of time. Events happened during that 37 years, things I would do that I wanted to do, and when I would do them, I got this, this feeling that uh, that's just not right, you know? I said, not uh, I, I'm good. It's just my conscience bothering me or whatever. Um, and I would attend church occasionally, Easter, Christmas. And, and I talked to God, God, we got this. I'm driving, but you just keep watch for me, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm doing this thing, and, and I believe in you. I know you sent your son, and, and I'm good, but I got to get this stuff done. Well, 37 years went by, and... I uh, was getting ready to face another life-changing event that was not only going to affect my life. But another person in here. And I was in the medical profession, for those of you who don't know. And I had pretty good skills if I do say so, inpatient assessment and stuff like that. So I knew what to look for because I was critical care and I had the worst of the worst of who I transported, okay, or dealt with. But um, I developed this feeling, and it was a physical feeling, okay. It's not really gloom and doom, but it was not really comfortable either. It was just something that occurred in me most days. Um practically every day. And when I asked this person to marry me, I felt like I needed to tell her up front that I was pretty sure that something was going to happen. I didn't know if it was good or bad, but something's going to happen. 
then, <clears throat> but I apologize, but I got the honor to come to Briar Branch Church. And everybody here has been great. I consider you my church family. Uh, I consider this the place where I'm supposed to be because Jesus sent me here, okay? He know, knew and knows that I needed all of you. But anyway, this feeling that I was feeling, a physical feeling, I kept telling her, I don't know what it is, but something's going to happen. You know, we have that gut feeling. We all have gut feelings, okay? Listen to your gut feeling, people, because it's not your gut. It's our Savior. He's driving you, and you can feel it. And it was, it was hard in the sense that it was distracting. But I was coming to church, and I got regular coming to church. And I, uh, I started feeling a peace that I've never felt. Okay, And one Sunday, Pastor Carlton started the invitation. And I was singing, just like always, try to sing, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and it was the last verse I'm thinking I'm going to get by one more Sunday I'll make the decision next Sunday and before I knew what was happening I was out in the highway and I thought uh oh here we go so I walked up here and um, I told Pastor Carlton that I needed to rededicate my life alright and he said okay I told him that I've been being moved by the Lord, and and uh, I uh, felt like this is where He wanted me to be, and I still feel that way. And he said, "Okay." And another question he asked me was, uh, "Well, where would you be moving your letter from?" Now, I've had 37 years, and I had different religious experiences during that, or whatever. And um, my son and my son's mother, my son's mother was a cradle Catholic, and my son was Christian Catholic. So doing what I thought I should do, just because it's not really that much of a, not much of a big deal, inconvenience-wise to me, and I could still do my own thing, um, I converted, okay? Went to classes for a year and all that kind of stuff, but I converted. So I told Pastor Carlton that Sunday, I said, uh, I don't know how we're going to do this. He said, I do. So he asked me to have a seat. We finished the song. Y'all finished the song. And he had me stand up and he turned around and told me that we were going to do a letter by Statement of Faith. Statement of faith. Thank you. And um, <coughs> you all said yes. Thank you. And I want to tell you something that really happened. That feeling I was telling you about that was on me every day was gone. Amen. It was gone. And I felt the best. I felt like I feel right now. I've had the best life. My days changed driving down the road looking at things, looking at the sky and the trees and people I meet and experiences I have. Now, I get opportunities to talk about Jesus. Before, people would say things to me. I said, yep, 
Bless you too. And I keep right on walking. Now we're going to stop and talk. You bless me, I'm going to bless you, and we're going to talk. And uh, I'm just telling you, if you're having that feeling, as Karen said, that's another witness. If you're having that feeling, answer it today. Answer it. Because he did something great for us. And we all want to be at Briar Branch Vision 2 or Part 2 when we get home. We can all have Sundays there. So I appreciate your time, and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Amen. Brother Bruce, you want to come up? So my name is Bruce uh, Maynard, and uh, after that, I think I just go. <laughs> no, uh, actually, like, or like Chuck said, we, we grew up in a military family, and we moved a lot because our father was career military, and uh, I was saved at, at the ripe age of nine years old, and we lived in Jacksonville, Arkansas. Um, uh, again, a small Baptist church. Uh, as he said, we, uh, our mom made sure we were in church, uh, you know, 14 Sundays out of 15. And uh, so we always had that in our family. So uh, fast forward, um, I finished high school, went to college for a couple of years, and then uh, I went in the military. And I, I was the smart one in the family and went in the Navy instead of the Air Force, like the rest of them. <laughs> uh, I wanted to see the world, so uh, I did that. Um, always from the day that, that uh, I was saved, I, I actually still remember the day I was saved. Um, I came down and, and sat on the front pew with the pastor uh, then after the service, we sat and talked for a good while, and I felt the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit, and I have felt it all along. Now, uh, as I said, I I grew up, went in the military, and, and began to explore the world. Um, I, I went into naval special warfare in the Navy, and so I saw, I'll say that the... the not so good parts of the world, and I had quite a few experiences dealing with with uh, such people. Um, my life was uh, several times I thought you know my number was up, but what I will tell you is because Christ has walked with me every day since that day, although I may not have walked so well with him uh, and for you know those days <laughs> I feel I feel regret but still I feel solid in my heart because I know he's there and the Holy Spirit has been with me um, I never it's, it's like the 23rd Psalm I never feared death uh, even though I felt it was imminent on a few occasions you know I thought okay this is it this is the day you know and I even said as much to my brothers who were there with me. Um, but I just say that to you to say that as I have walked through life, uh, I've, I've never feared uh, because what is it to die? For us, it's gain. That means, you know, I mean, if I, if I fell over dead right now, 
wouldn't bother me because that means I, I get to go be with him, you know, and those of, of my extended family who are already gone. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> some people say, man, that's, that's a bad way to, to feel, you know, to, to say you want to die. I, I just didn't say I want to die, although I'm definitely ready to go. Uh, so that's kind of been my guide. And one of my pastors uh, earlier in life, uh, he and I had a long talk, and it, it kind of dawned on me, it clicked. You know, God has a plan for everybody. He has an individual plan for each of you. You know, just as he does for me, he has one for you. And if you let him, you know, guide you on that plan, then you'll have, you'll have a good life. You're not going to have an easy life, for sure, right? <laughs> because as soon as you start telling people about Christ, uh, you're going to have some, uh, some pushback. I'll put it that way. And you just stand your ground, but do it in the same way Christ would, you know, uh, and do it with love. And, you know, you'll win some. And you actually, you know, I, I talked to some of my my SEAL brothers here in recent years, and, you know, some of them have said to me, because, you know, back when we were, uh, in the military, they weren't some of the best people. I mean, they were good. They would, they'd do anything in the world for you. But as far as their life, they, they, weren't, uh, they weren't church people. Okay. Uh, and, you know, they, they have said to me in recent years that, you know, we always knew what you were about, uh, but you never, you know, beat us up over it. Um, and I said, well, that's because, you know, I love you. And... Christ would not have me beat you over the head just because of, you know, how you were. But instead, I was to, to still to love you, keep you close, and, and try to, you know, share with you what I felt. So, um, kind of my guide now is, is to walk with Christ. And, you know, our, life, our lives, I guess, it's like a blink. I think of it as being in the blink of an eye, right? Our whatever years we have, 40, 50, 60, 70, 100. Realistically, in, you know, in the infinity that, that God knows, that's less than the blink of an eye. So he puts you here to do something is the way I feel. He has a mission for you, um, to put it in military terms. You're here to do your mission, and so all you have to do is do your mission. When your mission's done, you, you get to go back to, to home. And, you know, that's, that's how I, I walk now, is, hey, I don't fear it. I don't fear death. I know that when my mission is up, whatever that is, because I pray that for every day what happens in my life to be God's will, uh, not mine, because, yes, I have, a, I have a drive just like each of you, and I want to do certain things, uh, but I've had to step aside a number of times and say, you know, I tell God what I want because I want him and he knows it. But I also, ultimately, I, I submit and say, God, not my will, but your will. And whatever that is, I'm willing to walk that path. Even if it's hard, I'll do it, you know, because I know you're with me. And, you know, that, that's how I walk every day. And I hope that 
each of you have, have been blessed in the same way. Uh, and I, you know, um, I know they've said, accept Christ today. Uh, what I'll say is, accept Christ into your heart fully, but let Him guide your walk and submit and, and walk His path in His footsteps. And that's what I try to do. I try to walk in His path. And I, though I'm not worthy, I try. And uh, I, I encourage you to do that and, and uh, just let Him lead. And God bless you. All right. I want to make sure that we understand and be quiet for a little moment. Because I want to ask everyone here, this morning, have you found Jesus faithful and love him with all your heart? And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Please do. Amen. Hallelujah for that. Now, for the last witness, I want everyone to be real quiet. For the last witness, and with reverence, I want to call God himself to the stand. So with great humility, I call God the Father to the stand. What did God the Father say about His Son, Jesus? He says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That testimony is true. That testimony is God Himself. Let me tell you what God the Father did because of his view of the life of Jesus here on earth. When they nailed Jesus up on the cross, they put Jesus in a cold, stony tomb. They said to themselves, he is worthy of death. Crucify him. Almighty God reversed their decision and in three days raised him up from the dead. The Bible itself says in Romans 1, 4 that he hath shown power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Do you believe that? I do with all my heart. I believe that. Many a people in the Bible and many people throughout history have died for their faith. We in the United States, for the most part, haven't had that particular duty sign, assigned to us yet to die for our faith. But many did. And think about this. Many men will try to tell a lie to get out of trouble. People don't tell lies to get into trouble. Few men will live in a lie. Men will live in a lie every day, but few men will die for a lie. And the early apostles, every one of them went to their grave not faltering from their stance that Jesus was alive again and that he is who he said he was. So now it's time. You're the jury, and you're going to register your decision now. It is time. So take out your invisible ballot. Take out your invisible pen. And in a moment, I'm, you're going to check a decision one way or the other. And what is that decision? That decision is simple. To crown him or to crucify him. To acknowledge him daily, 
or to reject him daily. To receive him as Lord or to deny him as Lord. You have to make a decision. You cannot wash your hands and you cannot be neutral. Today is that day to make that decision. Remember now, even if you decide not to decide, that would be the worst decision you can make because deciding not to decide is a decision. Make no bones about it. So if you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. Would you pray this? For those of you that who are re already given your heart, I want you to reaffirm your decision right now. And for you who have never yet done that, Listen closely. If you believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, if you believe these testimonies, these witnesses, and the witnesses of God himself, and if you receive the witness of men, the Bible tells us the witness of God is even greater. That's what the Bible says. Would you say this? Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me on that cross. And I now receive you as my Lord and Savior. Because I believe it and because I receive it, I will not be ashamed of you. Pilate let pride and public opinion stand in his way. Pilate let position and possessions stand in his way. They will not stand in my way. I will acknowledge you, Jesus, openly and publicly as my Lord and Savior, regardless of the seeming cost. I will stand by you, my Lord, and I know you will stand by me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that has never allowed you in their heart, Lord, that today could be that day. Lord, I pray they say an everlasting yes to you and not be ashamed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.